Welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. Coming up. Where you pull your gaze when you twist. Like if you initiate a move with your eyes. When I lead twists in face yoga, I have people find their neutral posture and then turn their gaze from their eye gaze first. So it's exercising the ring muscle of the eye and it's making the gaze lead the rest of the body. And it's sort of like, I call it the lizard transition because if you watch a lizard, it will look where it's about to go. It looks first and then it's almost like by magic it appears there because the, the, the movement is so effortless when you place your gaze where you wanna go first, if that makes sense. I'm your host, Danielle Collins, and I'm the world-leading face yoga expert, best-selling author of the book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, and creator of the international teacher training program, the Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method. 17 years ago, I healed myself from chronic illness, and I've spent the last 15 years teaching, sharing, and serving millions of people in person, on TV, and online to help them look and feel the best version of themselves. This podcast is about giving you simple, effective, natural tips and advice and sharing knowledge and insight from industry experts. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it on social media as it means so much if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast as it allows more people to feel healthier and happier naturally. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This is the Face Yoga Expert Podcast. Hello and a warm welcome back to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. So we are very on theme for the Face Yoga Expert podcast this week and we were talking all about face yoga. And my guest is Annalise Hagen. Now, some of you may already know Annalise. Some of you may be new to her. She is the author of a book called The Yoga Face and she is based in the US and she is extremely passionate about yoga and about face yoga and she has been doing it for many, many years as I have. And our paths have just crossed over the last few weeks and it has been so amazing to connect with her. And straight away, I asked her to come on the podcast and she was delighted to come on and we had such a nice chat. So I'm just super pumped, super excited to share this with you today. And in this episode, we talk a lot about face yoga, of course, but we really delve into body yoga poses and body yoga asanas that can really help the face. So we talk about everything from inversions to backbends to balance poses, and we really talk about what yoga means to us. Annalise talks a lot about her journey into yoga and face yoga. So it's such an interesting podcast. I really do hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. So before we get into that, I just wanted to remind you about our brand new course, which is a facial gua sha teacher training course. And I am collaborating with the amazing Hey You Method. So many of you will know the Hey You Method. I have had the founder, Katie Brindle and Katie Blake, who works for the Hey You Method on this podcast before talking about gua sha, talking about traditional Chinese medicine. And I'm so excited that we are now offering a fully accredited certification so you can train to teach other people to use gua sha on their own faces. So if you're already a face yoga teacher, this is an amazing addition, an amazing extra certification to bring into your teachings and business. But even if you haven't done the face yoga teacher training, you can still take this facial gua sha certification and become a fully trained teacher to be able to teach people either one-to-one or in groups how to use gua sha on their own faces and their neck and shoulder area too. So I'm just so thrilled to share this with you. So all the information on this is in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode with the lovely face yogi that is Annalise Hagen. Annalise, such a warm welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you today? I am fantastic, Danielle. How are you today? 
I am really good and I am just so thrilled and honoured for you to be here and for us to be chatting and sharing space together. So just want to start off by saying a big thank you to you. Oh, thank you for asking me. I feel I felt so excited. Like we were just talking about, we just connected on LinkedIn. It was like, hello, we can talk to each other. <laughs> so I'm really, really glad that you reached out. It, it made my day when you did. And I've just been kind of floating on air ever since. Like, I'm going to get to talk to Danielle Collins. <laughs> oh, well, I feel exactly the same. And I feel like we're such kindred spirits because we both have such a passion for yoga and for face yoga and for wellness and holistic healing and I'm so excited in this episode to dive into all of that with you. Yes, let's get started. Let's just roll up our metaphorical sleeves and get into it. <laughs> yes, amazing. So I'd love to start off just by hearing from you a little bit about what yoga and face yoga means to you both personally and professionally. How is it become part of your life? When did it become part of your life? And what is its real sort of deep-rooted meaning in your eyes? Wow, that's a huge question. Um, I know. <laughs> but a good one. <laughs> you set me up to just talk and talk. And talk. So interrupt me if I just start going on too long. But to start, you know, yoga for me is I'll just break it down, you know, into it's what people, you know, interpret it from the Sanskrit to mean, which is from the root of yuj, which means to yoke or to, to link together. Um, so for me, it's union and it's bringing together disparate elements into one. And it's, it's one pointed concentration and it's that state of complete presence absent of mental chatter that it talks about in the yoga sutras of Patanjali, yogash chitam vriti nirodaha, meaning when the mind stops its monkey activity, right? When it stops going all over the place and it's one pointed, that's yoga. So that's really what it is for me. And in my life, it started coming into my life really early. I grew up in California in the 70s. <laughs> so, you know, you couldn't like throw a rock and not hit, you know, somebody in a leotard doing yoga where I grew up. My mother did it. My mother's best friend, who was actually Scottish, did it <laughs> on her living room rug. And, you know, to me, it was like this thing that older women did. My sixth grade teacher did it, Marla Donnell. She taught it to us um, in sixth grade. I learned lion face in sixth grade and tree. And I grew up with a lot of eco-consciousness in California as well. So I was sort of steeped in it. And, you know, my mother had Richard Hittleman's 28 day yoga book. It's a trade book from Avery. Funny enough, that ended up being my publisher as well. If you've never seen 28 Day Yoga by Richard Hittleman, it's a great like paperback and it has a woman in leotard and day by day you build up a yoga practice. So I saw my mother doing that and her friend Julia standing on her head and you know. <laughs> and then my mother, my mother is a psychotherapist and she's really into consciousness and she got really into Eastern philosophy and started taking me to an ashram when I was about 11, the Siddha Yoga Ashram. And you know, as soon as I went there and, and walked into the kirtan room, into the room where people were chanting, I just felt like I was home. It sounds kind of cliche now, but it was like, even though people were singing in Sanskrit and the men were on one side of the room and the women were on the other side of the room, just, I loved it right away. The, the room was dark. There were Christmas lights everywhere. And we got these laminated sheets with Sanskrit chants on them. It was foreign. And yet it was like home for me. And I just feel like this is my path and it always has been. And, you know, I've tried to leave it at different points <laughs> and do other things. And there's something that just always like yoga is home for me. And it's clearly like my mission and my path in life. I ended up doing other things professionally for a while. I was an actor and sometimes I still act, but to me, there's, there's a similarity. People say, Oh, you do so many things, but to me, it all kind of stems from the same heart, you know, of like, finding the truth within oneself and within others, you know, through movement and through, through sitting and, and all the other 
various limbs of yoga just really make sense to me. And so how that evolved into face yoga for me was coming from my acting background. I moved to New York City after college. I've been doing some theater in San Francisco where I'm from. And my intention was to keep doing theater in New York City, which I started to do. And then I kind of had a breakdown. I was just completely stressed out by the vibe in New York City and the size of the market as an actor. And it just felt really overwhelming. And I found a yoga studio in New York And that was, again, my home and my harbor. And I was very blessed to find Jiva Mukti Yoga, which, you know, they chant in Sanskrit and they adhere to the eight limbs. It was my home. And and I became a yoga teacher because of Jiva Mukti, really. But again, it was this sense of like, oh, I thought I was going to make a left, but I'm actually making a right. Like, I thought I was going to, you know, conquer the theater world in New York City. And I ended up just spending most of my time in yoga studios. (laughs) You know, Jiva Mukti was kind of a theatrical place. It had very larger-than-life personalities, I will say, and with all love, you know. And there were people like Sting going through there and all kinds of people. It was it was very hip. So it kind of brought together everything that I loved. And it wasn't this kind of stripped-down, like, you know, wheat germ, macrame kind of yoga scene. It was, like, really beautiful and kind of opulent, but with its heart in the right place. So, you know, I became a yoga teacher and then I was teaching around the city and everything was easy. Kind of like, you know, what you and I were talking about when things are meant to happen, like your path just opens for you. And I was at this one studio and it wasn't getting very good attendance. And the studio owner was like, we got to get people in here. Let's do a workshop. You know, can you think of something? And I said, you know, let's do yoga for the face because I'm in all these classes and people sort of mention it in passing, like, you know, do warriors three and then wrap your left knee around your, you know, right ear <laughs> and, and relax your face. It would always be like this side note. I wanted more because coming from my theater background and the chanting that I mentioned back in, you know, when I was 11, I knew that there was a sound vibration aspect to yoga and and the Sanskrit is vibrational. And I'd gone on this ashram retreat where we had worked with Sanskrit mantra and I just knew there was more to find out about the face. And so I kind of, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, the studio owner was like, okay, sure. That sounds like a great idea. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, now what am I going to do? I'm actually going to have to come up with a face yoga workshop. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. But prior to that, fortuitously, I had been taking a voice class, you know, when I was doing my actor thing in New York City, I found a voice teacher. Her name was Shauna, I want to say Shauna Cantor. Um, I have to look it up, but she was actually, she went to the Siddhi Yoga Ashram too. So she did this whole style of, of vocal vocalizing and vocal technique called Linklater, which is from England. And it, it involves like falling into the pool of sound and it's very technical, but she would also chant Sanskrit. And so that was sort of my, my first thread into teaching face yoga. It was like, all right, let's open up the voice. Let's open up sound. Let's open up the jaw. You know, let's, let's get into the chakras. Let's get into the energy side of this. You know, I knew about lion breath. Of course, we all learn about lion breath pose where you really relax your face. But I started to just sort of do more research and uh, came up with that first uh, yoga face workshop. And it just kind of took off. After that, it was picked up by a health club I was teaching at. And, you know, they had a great PR department. They wrote a press release and suddenly it was kind of going viral, you know, even before we knew what going viral meant. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of it. Yeah, that's kind of what happened. It was, it was, it found me. It really chose me. And there, like, again, there were times when I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing here, but, you know, people responded and I know something was happening and, and I just kept following it. I think it's just amazing and it's so interesting because I feel like our paths have sort of gone along the same way but I wasn't aware of you and what you were doing until you know I'd already gone on my face yoga path but I think actually we were on other sides of the world doing similar things and going through similar thoughts about how we have such a passion for yoga and how other people have such a passion for yoga but actually how we want to really bring the face into it as well and I just think it's so amazing 
amazing after all these years that we're able to talk about this together. And it's so lovely to hear your story and, and how it really does come from that deep rooted passion of yoga. And I love what you said about you kept coming back to the yoga. So all these years, you know, have gone through different things. You've decided to do different acting jobs, you know, different career changes, but the yoga is your constant, you know, you've always come back to that. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I remember I was aware of you as well mm-hmm. and, you know, curious about you. And it was funny because it sort of happened spontaneously. And I feel like there were a few of us and we, we didn't know each other, you know, <laughs> but we were, we were all kind of on the same track and maybe it was just that it was supposed to be the next thing, you know, like that we were a great idea. I don't feel that I own it. You know, I feel like it mm-hmm. kind of owns me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and, right. um, there were other people doing things with the face before we came along, but I don't think that many people were really teaching facial yoga no. per se. Although when, when I was researching, of course, I wanted to go into Indian roots and I did find some, some teachers in India who would teach facial poses, but as, as part of the greater whole, you know. Same, exactly. And I think there are parts of it which are really rooted in traditional yoga in Ayurveda and again when I did my research when I put together my method I really delved into a lot of that you know over the years as as it came to the west but also in the east I think aspects of that were lost in some ways so it's really lovely that for whatever reason you know we're here our our purpose is to to teach this to others and to share it with others so I mean I know I feel so blessed to be able to do that and I'm sure you do as well yes yes I do I I you know, that's the thing that keeps pulling me back because there have been times I'll be honest with you where I was like, why me, God? Like, why did, why did you pick me for this message? Cause it feels, it sometimes felt difficult. It was like, how am I going to, you know, quote, be the face of this and, and like, will I let people down? You know what I mean? Or whatever. It just felt like a lot. But then whenever I would work with anybody or, or teach a class and just see the joy um, and the sense of liberation that people were experiencing, like the kind of freedom from the pressure. You know, for me, that's what this is about. It's about giving people some hope and giving people some joy and some fun and some tools. And, you know, you just kind of see them light up because it's like, oh, you mean I don't have to feel bad about my face? Like, you know, I don't have to feel bad about, you know, a human being that's subject to the physiological processes of being in a biological body. Like there's tools for this and there's, there's energy work we can do and we can, you know, it's just, it's very deep. It's very cathartic and it's, like nothing like I thought it would be, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, makes complete sense to me. And what I love about your teachings, and as I say, you know, I have your book and what I really enjoy about what you do is how you talk about the traditional body asanas, the body poses, and how you talk about how these are so beneficial for the face as well. And, you know, this is something which I also talk about, but I often... I must admit, separate the two. You know, I do my yoga teachings and my yoga practice and I do my face yoga teachings and my face yoga practice. And over the years, I have meshed the two. But I feel like that's something you do so beautifully is is mesh the two. Are there any particular yoga poses, you know, traditional yoga asanas, which you really like for the face, that you feel lift the face and tone the face in a really great and holistic way? That is such a good question. And I, you know, to be honest with you, I've, I've encountered the same issue, even though, you know, the way I wrote about it was because I was so steeped in yoga and I, I had to come from my yoga training. It was the only way for me to approach it, but it is hard actually to teach face yoga in a regular yoga class. You know what I mean? Like, but there are certain poses for sure that you know, just doing a regular yoga practice can't but help your face really, because, you know, if you're doing a regular yoga practice, you're, you're opening up the channels of energy from your body to your head and, you know, through the neck, but definitely shoulder openers are great. Any kind of a shoulder opener, you know, binding internally rotating the arms. So like a a seated spinal twist even is really, really good for the face. Posture is so important. The way that the head sits on top of the neck. Often when I teach face yoga, I have people wear a crown. Like I have these like prop crowns. Because <laughs> I 
also want people to feel like in touch with their inner queen or king, mm-hmm. you know, the, the regal side of themselves. You know, the, just the way the head sits on top of the neck is going to affect the way the chin looks. And, you know, of course, there's lion's breath. There's also shoulder rolls. There's the sandbagging types of sternocleidomastoid stretches where you, you know, you put one hand on the opposite ear and you sort of pull your head to the side. Upside down poses are really great for oxygenating the face. And when I was coming up with the yoga face, I was very aware that I'd probably get a different demographic that might not be like totally flexy, bendy and able to like pop up into a handstand. So if you can lie on the floor with some bolsters under your low back and lift your legs up the wall and just redistribute the um, downward flowing energy back up into your face, actually shoulder stand is one of the best classical yoga poses for your face because you know it's an inversion you're slowing down the heart rate which is inherently rejuvenating right the heart pumping exerts a certain amount of strain on the physical processes of the body and one of the reasons i think that you know that traditional yogi in the loincloth you know from india who looks so young look so young is because they're working with their subtle energetic body and they're slowing down their heart rate Absolutely. Um, so yeah, shoulder stands good for that. It also places a lot of pressure, as you know, right over um, around the hyoid and the thyroid. So it helps to regulate the hormones. You know, they talk about in the ancient yogic texts that this lunar liquid is released in the base of the throat when you go into shoulder stand. It's called the queen of poses. And I, you know, I had to like really think about like, oh, why is it called the queen of poses? You know, headstand is the king. So headstand is super fiery and it's almost could heat you up a little bit too much and dry you out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we have to be careful in our yoga practice to not be too fiery and to not be like dabbling too hard in that heat. I think it's, it's, it can be aging. It depends on your dosha, of course, your constitution, but the practices that are very receptive, you know, plow is another one. Hip openers are really good because they, they open up that lower chakra energy. And then that just goes right up into your face. The breath retentions are really good for redistributing energy up into the face, like Kumbhaka, where you hold the breath after Kapalabhati. I could go on and on. <laughs> I love that. All of the things you should see. I'm nodding away. Nodding away as you say all of this. Just absolutely loving it. And I also really enjoy back bends, um, particularly for the neck area and lifting that area. And something which I also really think is great for the face, but it's sometimes underestimated our balance poses. So even like a simple tree pose, because this really allows us to ease that tension from the face and just focus our eyes. And even that act of focusing our eyes is so powerful for those muscles inside and around the eyes. Do you use back bends and um, balance poses within your face yoga practice as well? Yes, yes. And I want to just sort of dovetail what you said about the eyes, because that was another thing that was really like a big flag to me, like, wow, what's going on with the eyes? You know, because when you get really into your yoga practice, you know, it's the drishti, it's like, where are you looking? And that can be a whole thing in and of itself, like gazing down the sides of the nose, gazing down and forward, gazing softly, kind of releasing the eyelids and There's this word exorbitant, right? From the Latin, like it literally means like your eyes are popping out of your head. So there's this sense of like when something's exorbitant, like your eyes leave your head and it's sort of the opposite, like cooling down the nervous system by retracting the sense organ of sight. And also, you know, where you pull your gaze when you twist, like if you initiate a move with your eyes, when I lead twists in face yoga, I have people find their neutral posture and then turn their gaze from their eye gaze first. So it's exercising the ring muscle of the eye and it's making the gaze lead the rest of the body. And it's sort of like, I call it the lizard transition because if you watch a lizard, it will look where it's about to go. It looks first and then it's almost like by magic, it appears there because the the, the movement is so effortless when you 
place your gaze where you want to go first, if that makes sense. Oh my gosh, it does make sense completely. And again, you know, I feel like this is why I was such kindred spirits for this, because I talk about almost exactly the same thing when it comes to the eyes. You know, in in modern society, in, in Western society, our eyes are really underused. When we want to look at something, we turn our head. When we want to express, we raise our eyebrows. But what we actually forget is to use the eye muscle to their full capacity and it's amazing by just moving the eyes how much energy and light and strength we have in them absolutely you know um I have an exercise called temple dancer eyes, which was based off of seeing Katak dancers with their eye movements. You know, they would do these beautiful dances and then also move their eyes and the eye movements had meaning, but by lifting up your eyes, your pupils, and then looking to the right, moving your eyes along like the clock, you can really strengthen the eye muscles and your eyes. And you can actually, you know, we've been taught to believe that aging is this thing that inevitably happens to us. And we think of aging almost like it's a disease. And in the Bible, people lived until they were 700 sometimes, you know, I'm not, I, I wasn't there. I don't know if that's like a metaphor, if that's real, I don't really know, but I do feel like we can live vibrantly much, much longer than we think we can. And that's part of what yoga unlocks. And even eyesight, like I thought I was going to need readers at a certain point I was using readers. And then I thought, let me just try some eye exercises and see what happens. And I, I stopped needing them. Amazing. So we can reverse the aging process. We can slow it down. And, and in some cases, I think what we think of as typical signs of aging are really maybe disease you know, and can be corrected through, through these practices. Um, but yeah, backbending is great. I love backbending because first of all, it puts compression on the back organs. And I think that's one of the reasons that it's a rejuvenating practice, because when you squeeze your back organs, those are your organs of elimination. So you're detoxifying, you're getting out poison. And when you put pressure on the back, it, it allows the heart to expand and receive more oxygenated blood. So that's really exciting for the system. I think they're antidepressant, you know, they're just, they're, they flush the heart and, you know, you're talking about modern life and modern posture. A lot of us tend to sit at desks or hunch over screens and we, we block off the heart to loop back to my definition of what yoga is. I think yoga is about opening the heart 100% and being vulnerable and compassionate and, you know, giving and receiving. So any pose that opens up the front of the chest and, and allows more oxygenated blood to come into the heart is empowering, antidepressant and rejuvenating because, you know, we shut down posturally, we shut down and we round and we hunch over and we stop receiving, we stop giving, we're protecting ourselves. That's a very protective posture. And at its most extreme, it's like that widow peak thing, you know? Mm. So again, it's like this marker of old age almost, or what we used to think of as old age, where you become more hunched and stooped and shorter and your head, you know, starts tipping more and more over your spine. So yeah, backbending is great. I love it. And what was the other one that you were talking about that you really loved? Well, I'm balance poses as well, but that's very connected to the eyes that we were talking about, but I love balance poses. And I think that they can really help just ease some of that strain and tension from the face. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they keep us one pointed in the moment, you know, again, the mind, we can like wander, we can think to the past, we can think to the future. Very rarely, actually, are we really in the present mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as a species and balance poses keep us completely in the present because if you space out, you're going to fall over, you yeah. know, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an opportunity to really relax the face, you know, it's, it's, um, it deepens the balance when we deepen our drishti, our focal point, and we keep it kind of soft. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And how does your yoga and face yoga practice look personally? Do you have a particular time of day that you do it? Are you quite intuitive with how and when you do it? It's interesting, you know, obviously now that 
people come to me for teaching them face yoga. I'm still learning. I do a lot of trial and error and experimentation and reading. And so I do kind of compartmentalize, you know, I'll do some face yoga as a separate practice to my yoga practice, my regular yoga practice, but my regular yoga practice informs everything else. And when I'm really practicing deeply and consistently, I usually sit and meditate after I do my asana practice. And this really strange thing happens to me, which I have never talked about really publicly. So it's kind of, you know, feels a little vulnerable to to tell you about this, but I feel impelled to tell you, you know, going back to being a teenager and practicing yoga, I had a, a guru when I was 16 and she taught me how to meditate. And when I meditate, there is some presence inside of me that starts moving me around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when I was like 16 or 17, I used to call it my inner yogi. Um, I didn't really understand what it was, but it would, it would adjust my posture, it would adjust my head, it would adjust my neck. And so when I sit in meditation, that often happens to me where my inner yogi will sort of move my head and neck around. I'll listen to it and, and let it kind of guide me and I'll stretch my face in certain ways. And I'm still trying to figure out how to teach that to other people because it's actually sometimes pretty bizarre. <laughs> no, I don't think that's bizarre at all. And actually, I don't think it's something that can be taught to others. I think we can just guide people into the world of yoga and some people will feel that and find that very early on like you did some people may find it much later in life and some people may never find that in a yogi that moves them and talks them and that's also okay as well but i i completely understand where you're coming from with that i've never sort of almost given it a name or a personality like that however i find when i roll a yoga mat out sometimes i'm not even aware how i've gone from one pose to another or how i chose a pose it's almost like my body just moved me into that position or my face went to that certain stretch or that certain movement because it needed it i guess it's the same thing and it is our our inner voice our inner spirit a combination of source energy as well i think it's everything our intuition and i think you're you're right in saying it would be amazing to be able to teach this to others but maybe everyone needs to just find their own path in their own time if that makes sense yeah it's it's I'm comforted to hear that you don't think I'm a complete weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) I I honestly, the exact same thing. I do the same thing. So definitely don't think you're strange doing that. (laughs) I mean, some of the faces that I make when I'm doing that, and I've tried to video video it so I can Mm -hmm. share it, you know, like on Instagram. And I'm like, this is just too weird, you know? And, um, you know, it's, it's strange because like going back to that thing about like feeling this responsibility, I don't know if you feel, if you felt that as well, I'm, I'm curious to ask you when you started to get into it did you feel this responsibility to really embody it you know and to live up to it yeah I don't think I felt the responsibility of that I mean I feel a lot of responsibility with a lot of things but with that I feel that it's just something inside all of us and I don't necessarily feel like I've got responsibility to teach other people to find that inner yogi I just feel like perhaps I have a responsibility to share what I know and to empower people to then use these tools in whatever way serves them because I'm so aware that everybody's on their own spiritual journey so for some people it'll be as simple as learning a few face yoga poses and they will do them and their face will look better and that's where they are on their journey and that's what face yoga was needed for them and that's what serves them in that moment whereas other people I can teach everything I know and then they will go within themselves and find that inner yogi and really get on that spiritual path so I guess my responsibility that I feel is about sharing all I know but then empowering people to use it in whatever way they would like to that's beautiful I love that interpretation. I love your take on that. It's, you know, it's just very easy and like generous and 
right size, just humble, you know? <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I'm always yeah, about, beautiful. you know, I never, and, and I feel that you're the same, but I never want to hold anything that I know back. I always feel people always say, oh, so generous with what you share, but I do feel, and you know, you so wisely use the word responsibility. I do feel that responsibility to share what I know. You know, I feel that that is my purpose, my sole purpose to share everything that I feel and everything that I know, and then allow people to use that in whatever way serves them in that moment of their life yeah I mean all you can really do is is offer it up to people and Mm -hmm. yeah who are your teachers I'm curious about your lineage and how you came to yoga do you mind if I ask you (laughs) absolutely well I came to yoga quite a lot later on in life than you did so it wasn't until I was 21 that I knew anything about yoga I hadn't even heard the word yoga you know I was so far removed from that world in any way and I've just graduated from university I just done my degree in education so I'd always wanted to teach all my life but I thought I was going to teach in schools and I became really unwell so I got um, glandular fever Epstein bar virus and then became really ill with ME so chronic fatigue and burnout and it really affected my immune system and my nervous system and I became very bedridden and housebound and quite helpless in lots of ways doctors didn't know how to help me and someone suggested that I tried some yoga so I remember getting a, a sort of VHS video yoga tag I think it was with Jerry from Spice Girls actually oh my god <laughs> like, I no, literally I think that was my first experience of yoga which is actually hilarious but it's interesting again you know it often doesn't matter what your first experience was it's how it interpret how you interpret it and for me I remember so clearly because obviously I couldn't do many yoga poses I was very much bedridden and I remember for me the first time I took that deep calming healing breath you know I remember the feeling so well I remember the bed the bedroom everything about it and how I knew from that moment that I could heal myself I could get over this illness and that yoga would be a huge part of that so then I started to delve into lots of different teachers, lots of different teachings, and a lot of it very much from home. Because I was so unwell, it wasn't until I got further down that healing journey that I was then able to call on lots of different teachers and lots of different healers. You know, my teachers weren't just yoga teachers. They were also acupuncturists, holistic healers, massage therapists, life coaches. All of these people were part of my spiritual, my yogic journey to help me heal myself, but then to start doing that professionally. And when I recovered within 18 months, I knew that this was my path. I knew that I'd gone through it for a reason. I'd known I'd always wanted to teach, but I now knew what I was meant to teach. And I was meant to help people to feel healthier, to feel happier, maybe to overcome similar illness that I went through, but just to share these really simple tools because everything I use and teach now, but everything I use then is just really simple. It's simple breath work, it's simple meditation, It's simple yoga asana, it's simple healing techniques. And I did my first training in relaxation therapy and meditation. And then I went on to do yoga teacher training. I trained in nutrition. I did training in face massage, um, in holistic healing, lots of lots of different trainings that I did early on. But one of the first classes that I ever taught was a relaxation and meditation class. And I built up my client base from there, teaching a lot of meditation and yoga. And I was very drawn to the face. I always had been. I did some training training and face massage, but I knew it wasn't my path to give people facial massages and treatments. I knew I wanted to teach people to empower them to use on themselves. And I remember during my yoga teacher training, I did it with the British School of Yoga, that it was just crazy that you learn so much about the body, so much about the mind, but other than lion breath, nothing about the face. So I had that in my mind. I had my face massage training in my mind, but also as I was teaching yoga, and you will know this experience too, people were saying, because this is going back 16 plus years ago, 17 years ago more, 
people didn't have the options out there that they have now for the face. You know, there wasn't those invasive options that there is now, you know, the Botox, the fillers, the surgery. I mean, it was there, but it wasn't as mainstream. And there wasn't the more natural skincare, all the holistic facials that we know now, now know, everything like that. None of that was around. And I remember clients saying to me and students that were coming to my classes, you know, Danielle, I'm loving your yoga classes. They're helping my body and they're helping my mind, but I wish you could do something for my face. And it was that whole culmination of having those thoughts and feelings whilst I did my yoga training, my face massage training, but wanting to teach people rather than give people treatments. And those words that my students and clients were saying to me, that I then started to do a lot of research into Ayurveda, traditional yogic techniques for the face, looking at traditional Chinese medicine, drawing on, of course, all my trainings that I'd done as well and put together the Daniel Collins face yoga method. And first of all, just started teaching small amounts of it at the end of yoga classes. So we do five minutes just before we do Shavasana. And then I started to build that up. I started to really hone the techniques with the people that I was seeing day to day, you know, I'd make a little CD of um, face yoga techniques for them and they would go away and they would, you know, try doing these techniques themselves and give me feedback. And we do before and after pictures. And that looking back was so important in honing my practice. And, you know, fast forward all these years later, I've been lucky as you have been to be able to teach this around the world, on TV, in the media, to do teach trainings on it. So that's a very long answer to your question, Annalise. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, it was lovely to, to be able to share that with you as well. And without me going on talking too much about me, I've just got two more questions that I would love to ask you if that's okay. Oh yeah. I just, you know, it's so funny. I was mm. just like, God, I don't want to just like talk about myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, I'm so tired of talking about myself. I really want, you know, I want, I was anticipating this as a conversation, but I don't want to like hijack your, your interview. So please go ahead. (laughs) No, I love conversation as well, but I also really love listening. And one of the things that I enjoy so much about this podcast is just really hearing people's journey and stories. It's such a treat for me because there's so much of what I do where I'm talking and I'm answering questions. So it's just so beautiful for me to hear my guests. And, you know, that's why I've loved hearing your story today. And I've, I've sat quietly and let you speak, which I, I've enjoyed a lot, I must admit. <laughs> letting, letting that face rest for a little while. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So what I would love to ask you is just a little bit about some of your favorite wellness routines. So this can just be a couple of things that you enjoy doing every day. And it doesn't have to be yoga or face yoga, but is there anything that you do, maybe like a morning routine you have, anything you feel called to share with us all? Um, Yeah, I mean, I do meditate pretty much daily. And I feel like if I don't meditate, I feel like I'm leaving the house without my clothes on a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Like my day will just be off, you know, like when you... Did you ever have a nightmare about like being in school with no pants on? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of feels like that. So meditation is very important, but you know, I'm, I'm a mother. So sometimes things get a little bit frenetic. I would say a, a practice that I'm doing very consistently right now that kind of, I feel like it brings everything together that I love is I've been singing and started studying with a singing teacher a few years ago. And it was funny because as I said, you know, I, I became a professional actor and I was a theater actor and, you know, there was always a lot of pressure in that arena. Um, And I, I did get great vocal training, but I had this idea that I, I wasn't a very good singer. You know how sometimes we get ideas from like older people when we're young or whatever, and we carry these ideas around. So I did notice when I really got into yoga at Jiva Mukti, there was a lot of singing and I felt my voice. And as a teacher, I can, I can sing in Sanskrit with no stage fright whatsoever. Like all the fear leaves when I'm singing Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've been singing and discovering that I have a voice that I actually have a singing voice. And I sometimes do mantras and sometimes it's just Western singing. Um, I got a harmonium last summer and started playing harmonium. I have a piano. So music is, is like, I feel it's a, it's a form of face yoga for me. It really opens up my face and it tones my face. And when I was coming up with face yoga ideas for the yoga face, I was looking at singers 
and mm. how they had such toned faces. And then I looked at like Louis Armstrong. I named one of my poses after him, Satchmo, because, you know, just using your face in that way to make music and just, it feels spiritual. It feels creative. It's like everything I love. And it's great for the face. <laughs> I love that. And I bet you have a beautiful voice. And particularly because you come from an acting background, I'm sure that you're able to bring so much of that into it. It's like you're combining your acting and your yoga together through the singing. Yeah, the sounds that really open up your subtle energetic body, the Bija Mantra sounds, you know, awe is one of them. And so just by opening up your mouth and saying, ah, like when you go to the doctor, they say, ah, because it opens your mouth wider than any other sound. And I notice that when I'm really released in my jaw and my mouth is wide, I can, I'm just a much more clear channel. And when I'm tense or I'm like repressed or I'm nervous or I'm trying to sound good, you know, like when I'm in my ego or in my fear, that's when the tension really gets into my face. Yeah. That makes sense completely. Yeah, That can just distort the appearance of your face. I just want to say, yeah. like, for me, that's a huge part of face yoga is just getting people to relax. Yeah. Faces. <laughs> so faces. true. You know, because it's like it can become a mask. We can be presenting this mask, and I do it myself, you know. It's back to that vulnerability thing and just allowing myself to be who I truly am and let go of that facade, like, no pun intended. <laughs> You're so right though, you know, learning to relax tension in the face. I often see people, it's like suddenly they lose 10 years off their face just by simply letting go of the stress and letting go of the tension and opening up and allowing themselves to be vulnerable because it's like you were saying about the rounding of the shoulders we do it almost like a protection mechanism and I think we do that with our faces as well we hold this stress and tension in places like our jaw or maybe our temple area or our forehead area almost to protect ourselves in some way and I mean the irony is it does the complete opposite to us but we we do that and just letting go and releasing is amazing and to me it's one of probably one of the most important parts of face yoga is just the letting go Mm -hmm. and letting the spirit shine through it was funny last night I was I did a yoga practice somehow for whatever reason I found myself on Instagram I think I was posting something but um, I found Eddie Stern who is a teacher here in New York and I think he's becoming a Vedic priest, actually. He's, you know, he studied with Patabi Joyce back in India many years ago, and he's, he's a great teacher. So I just happened to tune in as he was starting to lead some Sanskrit chanting, and I just joined in. What the heck, right? You know? Mm-hmm. And then I noticed afterwards, it was about 15, 20 minutes, and I looked in the mirror after I chanted, and I looked 10 years younger, and I was like, oh, yeah, like just chanting. is so healing for the face and there's it awakens that flame inside your heart and the spirit shines through and that's to me that's what I see when I see a beautiful face like I think about my grandparents you know my elders when I was growing up my great-grandma Belle she lived to be like 94 my great-aunt Ruth was 100 and I never saw my Grandma Belle looking facially old. It's weird. I mean, she was, she became very old physically, but she just had this like childlike wonder her whole life, you know, that lit up her face and she was just really kind. And so she never looked old to me. I love that. And the kindness, like you say, it's everything and the childlike wonder. And so much of it is mindset. Everything's so connected, our mind, our body, our face, our soul, our spirit. But you're so right. What makes people look young and vibrant is not about how many lines or wrinkles they have on their face. It's about what shines through their eyes and the kindness and the... I guess, I guess their true, true nature and their, their, their soul and literally the soul is shining out through the eyes. That's a very uneloquent way of saying it, but you understand what I mean? <laughs> Yes, I liked it. I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like a lantern. Like people it are is. like lanterns, you know, and yeah, you can stoke the fire and it just can burn so bright or even just a, a nice mellow serene glow that doesn't flicker, you know. 
I was, I took someone's class yesterday and I, I should say, I take many classes. I don't just practice on my own. I, I'm really rooted in taking other people's classes as well, because I, I like the community. Um, I'm super social and, and I need to feel the presence around me, but, um, somebody was reading in the class I took yesterday from Eduardo Galeano, who's this Uruguayan writer. And he was talking about this parable of somebody going up on a mountaintop and looking down, you know, and kind of getting enlightenment. And then they came back down and they said, you know, people all have flames and some burn really bright and they're like wild and passionate. And then others are just really steady, but we all, we're all flames, you know? Yeah. It's so true. And as you said that as well, I was just thinking about yoga studios because here in the UK, our yoga studios have been closed for many, many months now. They only opened up last summer just for a very, very short while. So it's been over a year since I've practiced in a yoga studio. And I used to go a couple of times a week. I've been doing it online, of course, but you're so right. That sense of community with yoga, particularly over the last year, has been lost for so many people, but it is such an important part of practice. Yeah. There's something about yogis. They're just the sweetest people in the world, you know, and you kind yeah. of take it for granted when you, you've been in the yoga world for as long as I have until, you know, you're not around it and the kindness and, you know, the eye contact and the smiles and the touch, of course, you know, we miss that the most, yeah. but yeah, it's that word is satsang, which, you know, comes from sat in Sanskrit, which is uh, like the root for truth. Yeah, absolutely. And Annalise, what I would love to ask you just as our final question, is there anything you feel like you would like to share with the listeners in terms of... Your best top tip for inner peace? I know, again, it's a big question, but anything you just feel called to share that you haven't yet shared in this, in this lovely chat? I mean, I'm just going to go with my first thought, you mm. know, first thought, best thought, which is yeah. for me, giving it away, like just getting out of myself and giving is what gives me peace. Um, I have a very active mind and I have an active inner critic um, but this path has given me the gift of being able to be of service, you know? So I was in New York when nine 11 happened and one of my spiritual teachers, you know, of course it was a horrible and traumatic and devastating time and so full of grief. And so I called one of my spiritual teachers. And I was sort of complaining about how I felt, you know, so scared. And, and she said, you know, you have a bike, right? And I said, yeah. And she goes, St. Vincent's needs people to pass out socks, get on your bike and go to St. Vincent's and just pass out socks. Wow. So like, uh, you know, pass out socks. That's what I say. Like yeah. <laughs> when, when you're wallowing in your own, like, you know, fears or, or whatever, when a person, we all do it become consumed by that kind of thing. Just pass out some socks, give somebody a flower, you know, give someone a kind word, find someone you can help. And, you know, yesterday I did a benefit for India and we raised a good amount of money. And I was like floating on air because, you know, we're all sensitive and there's so much going on in the world right now. And it's very easy to feel sidelined and overwhelmed by it all, the enormity of it all but just taking one little action towards helping somebody else, you know, that's karma yoga or bhakti yoga, the yoga of devotion. There's many paths to enlightenment. Not everybody is meant to sit on a lotus pad, you know, and and meditate for the rest of their lives, but the kind of engaged humanistic or, you know, interspecies type of service, you know, like I think of like the Dalai Lama or anybody who's just really been in service in action. And, you know, it's a beautiful way to spend your life. I agree. I completely and wholeheartedly agree. And I will always forever remember the give out socks. I think that's just such a beautiful and simple way of saying so much. I think that's amazing. I mean, it's not glamorous. It's not cool, you know, but it, it works. It works. It works. It really does work. And Annalise, if people would like to find out more about you, about your book, follow you on Instagram, how can they do that? Yeah, just go to, um, my book is called The Yoga Face and my website is yogaface.net and I'm on Instagram as Annalise underscore Hagen. Uh, yeah, I'm doing a training. It's starting this Sunday. I don't know if this is going to be timestamped, but um, I'll be doing some trainings. You can just go to my website, yogaface.net. 
I love that. Thank you so much, Annalise. You have been an absolutely wonderful guest, so full of joy and wisdom. Oh, well, you know, I mean, I'm just reflecting you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.